Welcome to North Liberty Library's Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast, a series of universal talks gently guided by open hearts and open minds. Listen to ignite the light in you and to appreciate the light in others. Hello, I'm Kelly with North Liberty Library, and I thank you for joining us today on Love, Light, and Lit, the podcast. You can also catch Love, Light, and Lit on Facebook Live every Monday at 12 noon Central. Be sure to follow North Liberty Library on Facebook to get notifications. The number one mission of libraries across the globe, including our own North Liberty Library, is information access. From technological services to community events, intellectual freedom remains a hallmark. The first step, however, is to recognize where gaps exist in this journey toward expanded access in our community, especially with children of color. Today's guest is here to chat about this vital deficit and what we can do to encourage Black boys to read more. Abena Imhotep dons many titles in her professional career. TEDx speaker, equity leader, education consultant, and thought leader are among them. Her passion, however, is based in her role as director of the Sankofa Literacy Academy. The Academy, an after-school literacy program for third and fourth grade students, falls under Abena's larger organization called Sankofa Literary and Empowerment Group, a triad which forges spaces for lifelong learning and authentic community inclusion, centering books by Black authors. Today, she's going to chat with us about her experiences with the Academy and how she's confronting literacy deficits in children of color, one book at a time. Welcome, Abena. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Kelly. Thank you so much. And you know what? Just listening to your introduction, it makes me introspective and very reflective and humble and grateful to be able to share time and space with you today. So thank you. Yes, the feeling is absolutely mutual. I'll let our audience know that Abana and I met mid-year last year, just about six or seven months ago at an event focused on Black women and empowerment and you know, joining boards and doing self-empowerment. And she is such a wonderful speaker. You'll hear more from her as we continue. So I don't <laughs> want to talk too much, but Abana, thank you so much. The feeling is absolutely mutual. And I'm just so grateful that you're on today. Let's start off by telling us a little bit more about your work with the Academy. Well, I'll back up. So the Academy was born out of, as you said earlier, my larger organization, which is Sankofa Literary and Empowerment Group. And I'll tell you how that started. So Sankofa Literary and Empowerment Group came about because I received a gift for a holiday, and that gift was Becoming by Michelle Obama. So I read the book and I was so excited and I called all my girlfriends and wanted to chat about it. They didn't know what I was talking about. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) so I need to build a community around the books I read. So I formed a book club and Sankofa Literary Group Book Club was the first part of the organization that was born. So we meet quarterly virtually in this pandemic environment and we read books by Black authors. All are welcome to the book club, but our focus is really on books by Black authors. And then out of that, 
came a need for business leaders and organizations really to have some guidance around awareness and equity. So the second part of the organization, facilitating courageous conversations and conducting trainings and seminars, that came about. And then the third part is the academy. So that's where we have the after-school literacy program for children in Des Moines Public Schools right now. And all three of those things make up Sankofa Literary and Empowerment Group. Wow, what a journey. You know, of course, here at the library, I actually run a book club, as does one of my colleagues, also runs a book club and moderates a book club. The focus on Black authors, how well was that received? And just for clarity for the audience, I'm based here in North Liberty, Iowa, and you are based in Des Moines, Iowa, correct? Yes, in Des Moines. In Des Moines. How was that received? Was there a need that was expressed to you before you established it? Or did you find that you were just serendipitously fulfilling a need in the Des Moines area? Again, it started out because I like books by Black authors. I read all kinds of books, but the ones that really speak to me, that resonated with me, were always Toni Morrison or Baldwin or Gwendolyn Brooks' poetry, Nikki Giovanni. Those are the authors that could speak to my experience and they could speak to and tug on my heartstrings in a way that other authors hadn't. And so by focusing on books by Black authors, it was so funny because when we first met, the very first meeting, someone did ask, are we only going to read books by Black authors? And I said, yeah, we are. And they were like, oh, okay. It was like a pleasant surprise for most people. So the book club membership itself is free and open to all. And we've had so many different identities be involved in our club from men and women and non-binary to old and young and married and single and everything in between and all kinds of different races and combination of identities. It's really intersectional and it makes for rich conversation. But our focus is on books by Black authors. Absolutely. And that's such a vital focus as well. I was taking a look at your website. You know, I love to research my speakers before I have them on, research my guests. And you shared that according to your research, that African-American boys in particular are falling behind when it comes to reaching grade level literacy benchmarks. Can you talk to us a bit about what some of the factors that exist that would have led to this deficit? Yeah, so there's a ton of data out there and I can share some of that with you. Some of the problem is structural and some of the issues are not structural. But we'll just talk about it and see how it all comes out and you know what we glean from the data. So data from the United Negro College Fund, you know, they put out a college readiness report And that report a few years ago said that 19% of African-American students are meeting the reading benchmark for college readiness, 19%. Mm. Okay. And then the Center for American Progress put out a report a few years ago that students of color are often concentrated in schools with fewer resources. And nationwide, if a school has 90% or more students of color, then that school district spends $733 less per student. So that's some of that structural data. 
And then we have data from the National School Board Association that said the poverty rate is highest for Black students. 64% of Black students whose parents have less than a high school education are living below the poverty line. 64%. So all of that data around reading and around the household and around the family's ability to have economic sustainability and all the things that come with poverty are impacting children's ability to learn. So there's more data from the prison policy initiative. And I go to the prison policy initiative because there's a connection between literacy and corrections. So students who struggle to read in the first grade are 88% more likely to struggle in the fourth grade. And fourth graders who struggle with reading are four times more likely to drop out of school. And this is data just based on fourth grade. So those trends, you know, because there's eight more grades after that if the child graduates high school. So that trend doubles in time through the rest of their education. Absolutely. Which is why Sankofa Literary Academy wants to interrupt that school to prison pipeline and get children right when they're in the third and fourth grade and say, hey, let's look where these children are and their ability to read and their literacy skills and see if we can do things that would help reinforce what they're learning in the classroom. So that's why we're focusing on third and fourth grade students who aren't reading at grade level and providing them with hands-on interactive experiences to create a love of reading. Absolutely. And it's so strategic that you're focusing on that particular population, because as you mentioned, it aligns with that data where the deficits become more present right at fourth grade. Now, what can parents and educators do to narrow that deficit and increase literacy participation in Black boys at home and at school. Having programs like the one at the academy is absolutely helpful. For those who may not live in the area or may not have accesses to a program like that, or who want to supplement their education both in school and at home with what they learn at the academy, how do parents and educators facilitate that kind of improvement? I think that's such an important question, Kelly. And There's a lot that can be done. So for educators, I think it's about really identifying the why and the what behind behaviors that could lead a child to have contact with disciplinary measures. It could be because they lack the confidence in their ability to read. So a way to kind of not highlight that is maybe to talk in class because maybe the child is embarrassed about their reading skills. Mm -hmm. You know, also one thing that I think gets overlooked a lot is dyslexia and other conditions that can impede a child's learning, having an understanding of those conditions and also embracing the science behind literacy instruction, because sometimes it's not the child. Sometimes it's the instruction that the child is receiving. Exactly. And would you say, I know that one of the biggest tips that people tend to say when they want to get kids to read is, well, get the child, you know, subject matter that they enjoy reading. And while that is a great tip, it usually takes a little bit more. 
do you feel like that's a good jumping off point to find the child materials that they would be interested in, subject matter they would be interested in? Do you agree that that's a good starting point for some of these more strategic ways to combat those deficits? You know, I do agree with that, especially for parents and caretakers, uh, caregivers, guardians at home with the child, because those are the people that are most likely going to know what the child is interested in. So if mom, dad, grandma, auntie, uncle finds a book that really talks about areas of interest for that particular child, that is going to be incredibly helpful, along with being involved in the processes in the school and in after-school programs, reading to the kids, not just giving them the book to read, and then reading yourself. Modeling reading in front of the children goes a long way because they may not listen to what you say, but they're certainly watching what we do. So it's a first step, absolutely, that is most powerful at home. But those strategic methods are, along with finding areas of interest for the child, all of those things together are what's going to make the biggest impact. Yes, a collective approach, a collaborative approach that is strategic in nature for those foundational blocks. And then also kind of like those soft skills, working around what the child, the subject matter that the child would want to read, combining those forces together. Absolutely. And another thing, you know, all of my programs are centered around books by Black authors and the Academy is no exception. Mm -hmm. So knowing that the data shows that many of the children who have these reading deficits are Black children, predominantly Black boys, all of the books that we use in the program are written by Black authors. So not only is the child going to come across a book that has areas of interest for them, but they're going to be able to see themselves culturally. They're going to be able to see themselves racially and otherwise. Maybe if they have a different type of family structure than another child's family structure. They may come across that in the books that we read. So that is going to go also a long way into helping the kids really dive in headfirst with this and love reading. They're going to love reading because they're going to see themselves. Yes. The representation factor is very important. My youngest is in fifth grade. She's 10. And getting her to read at night has become harder and harder to do because, first of all, the children are always plugged in. They want to be plugged in until the moment when I say, "Okay, it is time to go to bed. But we've been making better marks because we've been reading more books that represent her, that she can see herself in. So the last book we just read, we read this huge picture book. It's called Nina, and it is the story of Nina Simone. And is one of my favorite artists and she hears me play Nina Simone often, but she's also just got into the story because it was this representation of a black woman and she's seeing herself in that. And she was more likely to finish that book because of the representation aspect. So yeah, that is absolutely crucial, especially with children of color and especially with black boys. You know, That reminds me, I love hearing that your daughter loves the story about Nina Simone, who is one of my heroes. But there's a book called Carter Reads the Newspaper. And it's the story of childhood Carter G. Woodson, the father of Black History Month. And so, yeah, when the kids in the academy, and I'll say especially the Black boys, see these illustrations of a little Black boy 
reading the newspaper to the older men in the community. So let me tell you a little bit about what the book is about. So Carter Reads the Newspaper is about Carter G. Woodson being a young boy in his community and he knows how to read. He's one of the only people who knows how to read. The adult men, the older guys, they want to stay up on current events. So they all work in the coal mine together. And when they get off work, they put their coins together and they tell Carter, go get all the newspapers that you can get with this money. And so Carter goes and buys all of the local newspapers and he comes back to the men with the papers and they say, okay, now read them to us. So Carter is reading the newspaper to these men and then the men turn around and have conversations about what they just heard. So they're learning about what's happening in the community, what's happening in their world and having these conversations all because little Carter is able to read to them. So this gives, yeah, it is. And the children have found it to be so inspirational. They say, oh, I can learn to read not just for myself, but learning to read and read well can help other people. Yes. Yes. And shout out to Carter G. Woodson. Woodson Regional Library in Chicago was my childhood library growing up. So I am all about Carter Woodson. And we're we're actually put the book recommendations in the show notes. So our listeners are able to find both of those books. But yes, absolutely. Oh, I can talk about this all day. But I want to talk more about the Academy. And most specifically, I want to talk about this initiative that you're launching to encourage literacy within the third and fourth grade, especially with African-American boys, as you mentioned. So tell us a bit about that project and how folks can get involved with it. Absolutely. I'm so excited for what we're doing. And I got to tell you, Kelly, I do nothing alone. I have a group of educators that have helped me kind of craft this entire program and curriculum so that it is going to be enriching for the students. So we have a culturally responsive curriculum that we will use over the course of the school year. And after school program will be alive and breathing every day that there is school in session. And so again, third and fourth grade students, and we have a certain number of children that we can accept because we want to make sure that every child is getting the attention that they need. So we're limited that way. But as we grow, we're going to be able to expand that. So we have the curriculum and the curriculum is going to provide hands-on and interactive experiences, not only reading. So if the children are reading about, we'll use Carter Reads the Newspaper again. If we're using that book, then they'll have access to newspapers. They may get to meet a newspaper person or a journalist um, who is someone that looks like them that they can talk to and relate to. And that person may tell them all about the newspaper industry. So we create not only an environment where the children are getting help with their reading, but the reading comes alive for them in that after-school session. So every book has hands-on activities attached to it and themes also. So we have a climate theme that lasts for a week. And so they'll be learning about climate and how to plant and how to take care of the playgrounds and how to take care of their yards and their communities. So they'll have hands-on activities with that. And through it all, we'll be lifting up literacy. Wow. I love that it's such an immersive experience that you're providing, that it's not just 
reading the book and then talking about it, but this immersive experience where you're having third parties come in to be that, again, back to that representation aspect that's so, so important for young Black children to see and witness when it comes to literacy. The experience part of the after-school program was very important. That's probably, I would call that an imperative for our program Mm -hmm. because children who have poverty in their lives also have a poverty of experiences. Mm -hmm. They don't get to do a lot of things. So this is an opportunity that is free for them. And it's not just, you know, you need to read better, but it's look what you can do. Look what you could possibly be. So we take off the limitations. We have high expectations and we believe that every child is intelligent. Yeah, that perspective is so important. I say this as a parent, sometimes we get so locked into, you know, checking boxes with our children. They aren't reaching a certain benchmark. The conversation is more, you need to do this. But What you're doing with the academy is saying, look at what you can do. And that perspective is so important. Oh, my goodness. Abinah, thank you so much for joining us today. That half hour went by so fast. I'm confident that our audience gained some great information and perspective and insight today on what you do and what the academy is doing for young people, specifically young Black boys in our community. Tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and Literacy Academy. Yeah, our website is probably the primary place that you can find us, which is abanasankofa.com. So it's www.abanasankofa.com. And then we have a Facebook page that is largely dedicated to the book club, but it will be updated with all of the programming information for each initiative. So it's facebook.com slash SLG book club. And then you can always listen to my TED talk, Iowa Nice Interrupted. Fabulous. And we will put all of these links in the show notes. So listeners, if you go to whatever platform you're on, you'll be able to access these links in the show notes. And again, I just want to thank you so much, Abhinav, for joining us today. I know you and I will talk for sure, but thank you so much for joining us today. This has been such a pleasure. Everyone, this is Kelly, and this has been Love, Light, Lit, the podcast presented by the North Liberty Library. Today, we talked with Abana Amotep about literacy challenges and her organization, the Sankofa Literacy Academy. Check out the show notes from today's episode to find out more about her work and resources. And of course, please visit our website at northlibertylibrary.org for additional programming and services. Thanks for listening.